Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inner Bloom. It is just me today, but I am joined with Elika Laban. She is a attorney and she has some beautiful information to share with us. She also has a really interesting background and I thought it would be fun to have her on the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can they see us? They can. Yes. Oh, okay. Good. Yes. 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 <laughs> Hi. Um, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, who you are? Yes. Okay. So my name's Elika. Um, I, gosh, so much to say. Where, where does somebody begin about themselves? Um, I have a background in music. That's what I was doing for a while. Um, and then during the course of doing my music, which was, which included like creating, singing, writing, recording, Um, I guess I felt like some part of me was not like, I guess, totally fulfilled by just the creative side. I felt like I needed to kind of get to a hybrid of creativity and intellectualism and some type of social activism. So I came to LA like, I think it was 2013 was the first time I came to LA and I met a ton of friends that were all in law school and they were like Elika you you need to be a lawyer and I was like no 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 (laughs) I'm happy just doing the music thing and then after a while I was like yeah you know um I have a voice Mm -hmm. that needs to be used um and using it just in a way that feels beneficial or fulfilling to me doesn't feel like it's really Um, embracing the full scope of the purpose of having this voice so I was like okay I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna go to law school so I left London came to the states to do law school no expectations by the way and then it just took off and I was like okay this is for me that's Um, amazing you just decided to become an attorney left everything and everyone I knew didn't know anybody here um well I guess I had some friends um and then you know I got really into the whole um criminal defense but mostly uh prison abolition Mm -hmm. um so then I took that a step further and did a master's in criminal justice and now I guess I do this kind of like anti-carceral state activism but really weird because incidentally um, I have become, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be an activist for women, which <laughs> I didn't totally expect, but 
you know, you can never predict where these things go. So <laughs> that is really exciting. Um, I did not know that your background was in music first. I would have thought it was the other way around. I know. That's it's interesting. Awesome. It's interesting because now that you say that, it reminds me that um, so this gets into the spirit spirituality aspect. I, I've seen a couple of psychics. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was in LA before I was in law school and I went to see this psychic and she was like, um, you know, she told me, she was like, you're going to do something else before you get to lay any foundation in music. And I remember being so annoyed. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to do music. <laughs> and I was like, she was so off. She's not a psychic. Can, yeah. I, can I curse on this? Oh yeah, please do. Okay. So I was like, fuck that bitch. Yeah. Um, but it ended up being totally right because that was not the first thing that got the attention. Ah, uh, don't you hate that? <laughs> I hate that. I hate when psychics are right. Um, oh my God, so right. And just on that note, I saw yeah. another psychic this year who said so much stuff that I was like, oh my God, she's so wrong. And it's literally all coming to fruition. So as a psychic, I hate it when I'm right about things that I want to be wrong about. I'm like, no, you're not no. going to get divorced. Oh, everything's going to be fine. No. And then they message me later and they're like, you're right. I ended up getting divorced. Oh. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that I saw yeah. that. But yeah, wow, that's really interesting. So what made you decide to be, because I've seen you on TikTok, that's how I reached out to you. But one of the things that I thought was so fascinating about you is talking about how you don't fit into the stereotypes and talking about how you get prejudged a lot when you're in the courtroom, a lot when you're at work. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think what's really interesting about, sorry, let me just put my phone on silent because as soon as you know you have something to do that's when everyone wants to reach out (laughs) um I think what's really interesting um you know my speciality in this field is um criminal justice at the intersection with systemic racism Mm -hmm. so my whole you know the whole span of my career has been focused on systemic racism in general right never put myself into that equation in any way because I was like well I'm not the target of that right Mm -hmm. even though I'm you know a a Middle Eastern woman that's not the target of you know police brutality and criminal justice system and all of that stuff but what I didn't factor in is uh kind of a a different layer of discrimination which is like um employment discrimination economic Mm -hmm. discrimination right and I kind of noticed it um when I when I was in law school and I was submitting my resumes out to law firms and people who had way less qualifications and credentials than me were getting callbacks. Um, And it seemed like because of my name, I wasn't getting the callbacks. And I was like, huh, that's really weird. So I had kind of like a few experiences in the beginning where I was like way more qualified than somebody else and the other person would get the job. So that kind of tipped me on, hang on, maybe something's going on here. Um, And then when I actually entered the legal field, And, you know, I witnessed the way people treated me, spoke to me, like totally disregarded me, um, you know, delegitimized everything I said, spoke over me, talked to me like I was just like a member of the public. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is shocking, you know? Mm. And do you think that's, do you think that's because you're young? Do you think that's because you're a female? Do you think it's a combination of all of these I think it is a combination of all of the things, you know, I think, you know, when you talk about unconscious biases, it's really difficult to pinpoint, 
what the bias is, especially when you're dealing with somebody who um, is kind of not the standard in many different ways, right? So, okay, Middle Eastern, that's one thing. A woman, that's another thing. You know, um, even just the accent, you know, so it makes the person quite hard to place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we want to put people in boxes and you don't fit in any of those boxes. Right, I'm not what they expect. I'm not the expectation. But because they don't know where to place me, it's like their default is to place me below, um, which is weird, but, you know. We've made, like, quite a wave on TikTok in a good way, I feel like. I'm sure you've had some trolls in your comments because (laughs) of what you're talking about, because you are talking about something that's very charged in our society right now. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your views, both from a logical aspect and from a spiritual aspect, spiritual aspect, anyway, (laughs) on um, the jail system, the prison system, and how that affects our country, how that affects the legal system, how it affects everything. Um, So what's interesting about the views that I have on most things like abortion, abolition, all of those things, Mm -hmm. those views um, were really amplified by my expansion into the academic and educational field. So it's like there's a direct correlation between the more I learn, the more I am ensconced in these ideals and the more those ideals are legitimized to me because these are not just ideas in my head anymore, which is what they were before, right? Right. So I was always, you know, pro-abolition in a very kind of ambiguous way. I didn't know exactly why. It was more just like the aspect of humanity for me, right? Right. Just just a knee-jerk response to being, you know, attuned to humanity that how can it be right that locking a human in a cage the size of a bathroom forever would somehow be proportionate or fair in any way right Mm -hmm. so I kind of just started with that just you know basic humanity aspect to it um so strange yeah yeah and (laughs) just like it's it just felt like obvious to me but what's interesting about that is that it made me realize that every single human in this lifetime has a gift And you don't know what your gift is until you realize that other people don't see what you see. Can you, can you say that again? Because that's, that's one of those things that I need to hear again. That was amazing. Okay. So everybody in this life has a gift Mm -hmm. and you don't realize what your gift is until you realize that other people can't see what you see. And the fact that they can't see it lets you know that that's your gift. Yeah. Right. So it was like, um, so the analogy that I love to give is like, um, you know, frogs, (laughs) when they're jumping from lily pad to lily pad, they are able to see this like line, these lines and networks and patterns that are invisible to the human eye. And the reason they're invisible to the human eye is because we don't need to see them. But because frogs need to see them, that's part of their inherent biology. Right. And so to me, it felt like the the way that I was able to kind of zone into the landscape of, of abolition 
and the prison system in general was that it eventually occurred to me by the fact that I was saying things that I thought were so obvious and yeah. people were like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, okay, so my gift is that I'm seeing something here that other people aren't seeing. Right. And so it is my responsibility to kind of distill that, you know, to its core and be able to express it back in a way that is understandable and digestible to other people, mm. you know? Yeah. I also, I love the way you said that. And I also think that a lot of people in the justice system don't one, see what you see, but also take the time to explain it to other people. Right. I see that in the medical field a lot as well. So my background is physical therapy assisting mm -hmm. and you would see doctors, physical therapists, things like that, not taking the time to really educate patients on what's going on with their own body, because their assumption is that they're, they're not going to figure it out anyway. Right. So they're that's using that's words right. that, yeah, they're using words that make no um, sense to the person that hasn't gone to medical school and learned these terms. And they're not really dumbing it down for most people mm -hmm. to be able to digest. So I think it's important, not only that you're educating people, but that you're doing it and you're given such a platform where you can educate a large amount of people. And I, I really hope that's true. Cause sometimes I feel like, am I being clear is what I'm saying being lost on people because it's hard to know. Um, it's hard to know what, is a common understanding if mm -hmm. that makes sense so sometimes yeah. it's like you're over explaining something obvious or under explaining something that's not obvious it's really hard to gauge what is the general you know understanding of people who are not in the field to know how much you need to over or under explain if that makes sense yeah that does make sense I'm curious has the prison system and I don't know if you know this but has the prison system changed like do they are they upheld to certain standards? Do they have to change every few years or are there any kind of, I'm sure there are regulations. The prison system has become increasingly worse in this country. Um, mass incarceration is the highest in the US than anywhere in the world. And that's really concerning giving the, given the fact that this is you know, a developed country. Right. Um, the US spends more on you know, the militarization of its police, and uh, incarceration than anywhere else in the world. Um, I think in the 1970s, we had something like 300,000 people in prison. And now we have, I think, like 2.8 million. Wow. So yeah, so it's just like a, a mass expansion of prison. And, and what else it is, is that um, there is a constant state of criminalizing things that were not previously criminal, right? So you're constantly in a situation where, um, you know, every year there's something that wasn't a crime before, but now it's a crime again, it's become a crime. So once mm -hmm. something becomes a crime, that justifies, you know, criminalizing people for that thing. So which is why the rate of criminalization is also drastically increasing. Can you give us an example of something that wasn't criminalized before, but is now? Well, abortion is about to be. <laughs> that's yeah, one example. That's, uh, that's quite upsetting. Um, yes, very upsetting. Um, smiling through the pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, thinking of an example, uh, you know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like, you know, for example, something like drunk in public, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't used to be a crime to be drunk in public, but now it's a, it's a crime to be drunk in public. Um, so 
And what else, what, the other thing that happens when something becomes criminalized is that the parameters of that crime just expands more and more and more. So for example, you know, first it was not, I don't know if you remember, but it used to be fine to drink alcohol in public. And then suddenly, <laughs> yeah, you know, suddenly there were these rules where it was like, you can't have an open container outside. Right. You know, if you're walking with alcohol, it has to be closed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so it kind of starts that way where it's like, okay, you can't be drunk in public. And then like now when I'm handling cases, it's like someone's drunk in their own home and they're charged with drunk in public. And so it just keeps expanding, expanding and expanding. And it's like, what is not a crime anymore? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how the... (laughs) that's how the criminal justice system just keeps expanding in these in these small ways that eventually become big ways right right so everyone becomes a criminal so then once they're in the system now it's very hard to get out of the system correct very hard to get out and that's the thing you know unfortunately people come with these expectations where it's like I can just have my case dismissed right and it's like you'd think (laughs) but Wow. Yeah. That's that's so exciting. So let's talk about Roe v. Wade for a little bit, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So love your views on Roe v. Wade. Um, If you agree with Roe v. Wade being overturned, don't listen anymore. Um, Definitely definitely don't listen anymore. But I'd love to know what your legal views are on Roe v. Wade. What can be done? What is their hope? And then spiritually, why do you think this is happening? Mm, interesting. Um, so the legal aspect of Roe being overturned. Um, so I mentioned this recently in one of my videos. Um, what this uh, Supreme Court, which uh, the, it is a conservative supermajority on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. has done for the first time in history is that it's taken away a right yeah. That it had once afforded to its citizens, right? The court has overturned itself many times, but the court has never taken a right away. That sets a precedent for taking all of our rights away. You know, in the same way that, you know, um, a certain party loves guns. Yes. <laughs> and they talk about the regulation of that gun not being okay because it's a slippery slope to losing all gun rights, right? Right. Same thing here. Once you take our rights away for the first time they have basically opened the door to take away all our rights um so i think primarily the problem is that we have a supreme court that is highly 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 political and that is so um you know it's so uncouth it's so unorthodox for a supreme court to be that way because they are supposed to be apolitical Obviously, you cannot remove yourself entirely from your politics, but being deputized in that position, you're supposed to be able to remove yourself from your politics to a degree. Mm-hmm. But what the Supreme Court is doing instead is 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 using it's viewing everything through the prism of its politics. So that's when it's interpreting the Constitution, it's finding rights in there, like the right of self-defense, because mm-hmm. that's the right that it wants to find. And it's taking rights out of there saying, oh, we can't see it in the constitution because they don't want to see it there. That is what is wholly inappropriate and very dangerous. Um, Because there is a lifetime tenure, I don't know if there's anything that can be done, but I have been thinking about this as a potential solution and I'm not sure that it is viable. So um, 
when uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe, it, um, it, it, it returned that decision to the states, right? So states now have the choice to make their own abortion laws. Now, let's say that we're in a state where there is a total abortion ban mm-hmm. um, and it there's the that state's legis- legislature writes a law saying that it is, you know, unlawful for a woman to get an abortion. So at that point, what a woman can do. So um, I don't know if you this was in one of my TikTok videos, but basically um, under the Jewish faith, mm-hmm. uh, a woman has a right to abortion up until the point of birth. Right. So that law that prohibits her right to abortion um, conflicts with her religious rights. Mm. So I think that there may be a possibility for a Jewish woman, because it has to be an appropriate plaintiff, to challenge that state's law and take it up to the Supreme Court to say that this infringes on my free exercise right to practice my religion, because my religion allows me to have abortion up until the point of birth. Um, So I've been thinking about that. Unfortunately, with the free exercise clause, there are some limitations, like if the law is generally applicable, the First Amendment is not offended. Um, So I'm not sure that it would work, but um, that's one possible aspect. Another thing that I was thinking about is that um, we have a massive climate crisis right now, right? right? And overpopulation contributes to overconsumption, which Mm -hmm. is degrading the environment exponentially. I don't know if there is a case to be presented to the Supreme Court that, um, you know, the environmental harm that comes from, I think it's like 79 million new babies would be born every year if there was no abortion, right? Wow. 79 million people more every year is going to contribute to the like imminent corrosion of our environment to the extent that like I I read something that said in 50 years um, LA will be uninhabitable because it will just be too hot so everyone will have to leave now you keep adding people and adding people and adding people that's going from 50 years to 30 years to 20 years and that is such an extreme harm that you know that might be something that the Supreme Court has to consider so there are potential angles but in like a in a perfect world, you would think, but there are some people that don't believe in climate change. <laughs> so I know it, I <laughs> it's so true. There are also like people that believe that uh people like Trump is the second born Jesus, which is just kind of insane. So not kind of, it's totally insane. And if you're offended, don't listen anymore. But it's totally insane. But so I would hope that that would be, that sounds like a really good, really good case and a really good cause. And I hope that that helps. What are your thoughts and what are the, what are your views on other laws being overturned by the Supreme Court justice? Is that a real possibility or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Clarence Thomas has already stated that he wants to revisit all of these laws come out of the substantive due process clause of the 14th amendment which is something that was not expressly um 
you know, enumerated in the Constitution. It was something that they kind of drew out of other provisions of the Constitution to say that, well, if this is in the Constitution, it makes sense that this would be in the Constitution, right? right? right. So now what he, uh, what they're trying to kind of get at is that maybe we should take away all the things that aren't expressly in the Constitution. And that's really concerning because a lot of our equal rights come from those things, right? Mm -hmm. So... I mean, if they remove the right to contraception, they they might do that. That is that is insane. I hope that yeah. doesn't happen, but that is insane. So spiritually, what are your views on what is happening? Why, in your opinion, mm -hmm. why do you believe that this is what is going on right now? So my opinion is that um, there's something really fascinating that I heard about or read about once there was this woman who um she did hypnosis mm -hmm. on I think like 3,000 people and during their state of hypnosis she asked them why are you here on this earth and their response was like there was a distress signal sent out from the earth after like Hiroshima and all of these like you know crazy events mm -hmm. and they were sent to the earth to heal and what my opinion on this is that um humans our spiritual purpose here is for healing and love and once we get to a point where we are so far removed from our original purpose the only way to cure that is to just collapse the thing entirely because something is looking at this and 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 observing that we are so far removed from the direction that we're supposed to go we're not getting closer together we're not unifying we're not loving each other we are going into hatred division um and and i think that that thing that's observing that is is recognizing that that can only go so far mm -hmm. um before the entire thing has to collapse. And I think that we are kind of going into a direction where the cosmos is intentionally deciding to just end whatever it is that's going on. Mm. I mean, I think that that's, I would agree with that. And I would say that the systems that have been governing our, our world, our state of being are no longer working, right? And you see this happening in other countries. Um, changing their systems of operation, changing their governments, changing a lot of different change happening to benefit the population as compared to 1% or a smaller version of the population. And I think that in the States right now, that's what's happening. Like you're saying is a crumbling of systems that are no longer working for the masses. They're only working for a certain group. And you and I do not fall into that group. And a lot of people don't fall into that group. So I would agree with that. I now let me ask you this. I know you said that your sister's in, into astrology. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So do you know? Um, and I know you're not an astrologer, so I'm not going to ask you what exactly is going on, but do you know anything um astrologically about what's happening? Because I believe if I'm right, it's like a tower moment if we're gonna compare it to tarot. Um, I don't know about transits. That's the thing. Okay. So what I know mostly about is um like natal charts, sinistry, okay. that kind of 
interesting. But my sister did tell me that <clears throat> millennials, my generation, are um are Pluto is in Scorpio. And so this is like a mass period of like regeneration and rebirth, mm. uh, which feels very right to me because not only not saying that, you know, millennials are the only people on earth, but millennials are in that position where we are starting to be the the, the power, right? right. Um, because everyone's going out or they're too young. Um, and I think that feels right to me across the board because even in relationships, What's really interesting is that I feel like on a large scale, they're really not working the same way that they used to work. You know, before it was kind of like shut up and put up. Yeah. Um, you, know, you just find someone, get married and just quit complaining about it. But it's really interesting, the tension in, in millennials relationships where we find it so much harder to make things work now because we, we're almost too self-aware, you know? Mm. Um, so that to me feels like it comports with the whole idea of like regeneration and rebirth because it's like, no, I don't want to just pretend to be happy and pretend to ignore my needs and my feelings. And, you know, we're not meeting each other's needs and we're not aware of how we're not doing that. You know, now I want to kind of like entirely shapeshift and rebuild and rework everything that I thought I knew about relationships and, you know, enter a new paradigm. So it kind of feels like that theme is really across the board for millennials in relationships, in the systems that, you know, we are fostering now. Like we don't want to do the whole like police and mass incarceration thing anymore. Mm. We want to be like, wait, is there an alternative? Can we do better? Yeah. So that to me feels very much like uh, Pluto and Scorpio for our generation, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. I think that I agree with you. I went through that last year I decided I don't want to do this I don't want to be married I don't want to live this like white picket fence life anymore right. so complete appalling like you're saying um yeah and so many so many women in particular have come to me and said I'm not happy in my marriage what can I do and it's really interesting so you are someone and maybe I'm making assumptions so tell me if I am but you are someone that I feel like is really good at following your bliss following something that makes you happy despite what other people say around you so what do you think what would you say to someone that's afraid to follow their bliss because of repercussions and also what's on your next docket for following your bliss what I would say is that um it's interesting because I just tweeted something right before I came on this it's like I'm thing. psychic right you are <laughs> unless you saw it but this no is I didn't okay this is exactly what I tweeted I said when we hold ourselves back from being who we are and going where we feel called sometimes the fear is not that we'll be exposed to others as, as not good enough but exposed to ourselves as powerful beyond measure we were never taught how to hold space in our eminence only in our lack I love that so um it took me a while to realize that when I felt too afraid to follow my bliss, I don't think that it was, you know, we, we there's such a culture of lack that's mm -hmm. always like, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, is that really what this is? Mm -hmm. Is it really that I'm like so scared of not being good enough? Because being good enough is not good enough is something that you can 
eventually accept in that you can recognize that, okay, but I'm better here and I'm, I'm still, you know, wholly perfect and complete in who I am. So it felt like that doesn't seem like that's really the deep down fear. And then I thought about the potential of being everything that I possibly could be. And that was just extremely daunting. I was like, I don't know if I feel equipped to be my highest and best and most powerful self. Like, that's really scary to think about. Yeah. So I would say that to somebody who is scared of following their own bliss, um, maybe do the work to figure out what is the fear that's holding you back. You know, is the fear that you're not enough or is, is it the fear that you're too much, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as women, we're also taught not to be too much, right? Like as women, we are taught to be quiet. You're prettier if you smile, be nice, be subordinate. Don't really um, speak too loudly. And I really love that idea. And I love this reminds me of it for some reason, going to a restaurant and taking up a table that's meant for four people by myself. Because what it's doing, it's sending a signal to myself that I'm worth more than two seats, that I'm <laughs> going to take up space, and that if other people don't like it, they can fuck off. <laughs> and I really enjoy like yeah. sending that message to people. If you don't like it, you can fuck off. Totally. But I think that, you know, something that Alexa said to me actually this weekend, her and I were chatting on the phone, and... I've been in survival mode for such a long time that I don't know how to be peaceful or that peace feels uncomfortable. And that could be another way of following your play or following your bliss is just accepting peace instead of being mm -hmm. in survival mode. Yeah. That reminds me of um, this whole idea of um, homeostasis, homeostasis, which is like that when you have a, really I don't well, I don't know a lot about your background but just in general when somebody has a traumatic or really unsettling <clears throat> unsettled background um that ends up being what our nervous system correlates with safety yeah. so having a feeling of nervous system arousal feels like safety mm -hmm. because that's what we know that feels like home and the body has this homeostatic impulse to seek sameness mm -hmm. so when we find <clears throat> disruption out in the world that feels like safety and comfort and so we go towards that mm -hmm. um but like you said it's learning to it's unlearning that in order to um accept peace into your life which is really difficult yeah yeah sometimes that's that is always <laughs> and I think that's important too so what is next for you? You know, um, I really just take each day as it comes. Um, what's interesting is that even just the way that I got here to just building this platform, which has just grown immensely over like the two months that I've been doing it. You've only been I, doing it for two months? Yeah. Oh my God. I know. That's crazy. I know. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So when you see, it's like when you are constantly being met with resistance mm -hmm. from the universe, I feel like it's so important 
to pay attention to what is that resistance, right? So for a long time, the message that I kept getting from the universe was isolation. It was like, no matter what I did, I was always placed in an, in a situation of isolation. Like every time I would like, I would get a job and, you know, they would make me an offer I couldn't refuse, but it was in a place like some podunk town where I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I kept trying to resist this and it wasn't working. And I was like, okay, Elika, what is the message that the universe is trying to send you? The universe is trying to send you a message of isolation. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. The universe wants you to do something in isolation, to create, to cultivate something in isolation. So what is that thing that you're going to offer back to the universe? Um, and <laughs> this is so funny. So then I was like, okay, it just like, just I got a download do you know that yeah mm -hmm. okay yeah. I got a download and it was like you need to build a platform so um I was just like well fuck it I'm just gonna build my platform it seems like this is what the universe wants and it was like immediately just like everything just started going viral and I was like oh my god I'm such an idiot why didn't I pay attention to this before and then I remember one night have you ever seen the OA it triggered me a lot so my co-host loves the OA, but I've seen a couple episodes and I couldn't watch it. The idea of dying over and over again, I can't, I can't much. handle it. Yeah, it's too much. Okay. So it, it, it doesn't really matter, but what, um, what's really interesting is that one night, um, when I was doing all this and it was building, um, <clears throat> I, I had like a weed gummy and I was like kind of high. And then I got this other download that was like, the universe is going to send you a message right now. Okay. And I was like, no, this is too scary. Stop it. This is too scary. And it was like, watch the TV because the message is going to come to you right now. Okay. So it was, I was watching the OA and this guy was in this haunted house, whatever. Mm -hmm. He finds the girl and um, he like lifts the veil off the girl. Okay. And the download that I was getting was like, the the universe is sending you this message right now. And I was like, oh my God, no, what is it? What is it? What is it? And he lifts the veil off of her and she goes, where have you been? Oh my God. I know. Wow. I know. And I was like, holy fuck. I am so late to this party. <laughs> But you're here. So that's I'm good. here now. Yeah. I'm here now, but I resisted it for so long. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever thought, and I this is kind of getting off topic, but it's coming to me as a download. Have you ever thought about doing TV? In what way? Like being an actress. Well, <clears throat> it's one of those things where. I can't do anything scripted. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I I think I'm really good at doing some impromptu thing where if someone was like, just go on the TV and say things, you know, <laughs> I yeah. could maybe do that. But I, I don't know if I'd be good at doing scripted stuff. Mm. I keep seeing you on TV. So maybe you'll yes. get an interview. Yes. Well, what's interesting is that this second psychic that I saw, again, this is someone that I was like, oh, she's just talking rubbish. She was like, you're going to, you know, travel the world, write books, be on TV, do all of this stuff. And I was okay. like, but, you know. I maybe. had a psychic tell me I was going to win the lottery. I'm still waiting. So we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Just say every week. 
Yeah, <laughs> no big deal. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, this has been fun. Anything else that you feel like is important to share with everybody? Um, yes. <clears throat> One last thing. Just going back to the question of what, when you were telling, asking me about, um, finding your bliss, there was one other thing that I wanted to say and top up my water before I say this. <laughs> okay. Dramatic effect. I love it. Dramatic effect. Pause. We're all waiting. So um, I have been thinking a lot about happiness mm -hmm. and what it means to be happy and how to find happiness. And the one single theme that I could pinpoint in my life as to why I have finally been able to get to a place of happiness is that I always choose me. Mm. Whenever I've been presented with a situation, a relationship, an event, whatever it is that, you know, is pulling me into something that would not serve me. I'm not saying that I don't go there. We're all human. We all make mistakes. But in the final instance, I always choose me. Mm. And that is the single reason why I can sit here and say that I am a happy person. A lot. That's big. That's big. Because I feel like so many people, not just women, but so many people decide to be in a relationship because they feel like they can fix someone or they decide to stay in a marriage because they don't want the other person to be upset, right? Or they don't want their kids to be affected or they decide not to go to school or not to continue their passion because it's not as important as someone else in their family, right? Mm -hmm. So choosing your own bliss, that's huge. That's choosing <clears throat> yourself so huge. first, yeah. that's huge. And it's not to say that some, of course, sometimes you have to, you know, sacrifice some things for others because, you know, relation, relational, a relationship is relational, right? Mm -hmm. But what it comes down to is the fact that when there is a situation that you know is not serving you, and you continue, you know, subscribing to that situation and allowing that situation into your life, there's just no possibility for you to have happiness because mm -hmm. you are casting yourself aside. So how could you be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you know, when you know that that thing's not serving you anymore, having the strength to say in the face of that thing, no matter how attractive or connective that thing is, no, I choose me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah that, that that's it I think we glamorize sacrifice oh we, so true we make it we make it feel like if you're a good person then you're going to sacrifice yourself no matter what <laughs> and that's not that's not the case and then you see women or at least I see women in their 50s and 60s that have no identity or my favorite is when I meet someone for the first time and I say, tell me about yourself. And they say, well, I have, I have three children. Their mm. names are blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's not you. You have your own identity, your own wants, your own needs. But I think we associate our work and our family with our identity so much that if those things are removed, if we have a job change, if we go through a divorce, if we have something happen to that unit then we no longer have our identity have you ever read uh, a new earth by Eckhart Tolle no 
Okay. You would love that book because that is exactly what he talks about. He talks about identity and the ego and the way that the ego always looks for an identity to kind of validate itself. Like if the ego can say, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a lawyer, I'm a this, whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the ego is fulfilling its need to be valid and worthy. But what's really happening is that it's suppressing your true nature, which is like it, your true nature isn't anything. It's just fluid. Right. Mm. But the ego wants, wants to, to um, purpose it in something um, because it's too scared for the, the true nature to just come out and be like, I just am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back into belonging and, and wanting to fit in, right. We have to be put in little boxes and little categories to be able to fit into with our peers and society, et cetera. And so if we don't fit in, if we don't belong, then where are we? Isolation mm. is a huge fear for most people. It so. is, it is. But I I, um, I saw something the other day, which I thought was really powerful. And it was like something about how, you know, we fear that if we lower our standards for people in our lives, that we will be lonely, but instead by raising our standards, we call people into our life who can meet them. And so we're actually expanding our yeah. circle when we raise our standards, right? Because those people are are there, but our vibrational frequencies are so low that we're just, we've, we've made this assumption that we can only have, you know, those people or no people at all. But yeah. when we kind of move towards our highest and best self, we're actually going to attract a much wider, cost a much wider net for our social circle, you know? Mm, That's so true. I was literally doing a reading today for someone and I was saying this exact thing to her that she was asking me about her love life, et cetera. I'm not gonna give too much detail, but she was basically like lowering her standards to be able to date men that she wasn't really attracted to. And I said, what are you doing? Why don't you raise your standards to be able to date someone that you are attracted to? She said, well, I'm attracted to fuck boys. I get that. That's a tough True. one. Yeah, tough that one. is a real tough one. Yeah, they are attractive, but it <laughs> it's the energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've made that mistake before of thinking that, you know, when I didn't like someone, I was like, oh, maybe I just don't like them because they're right for me. So I'll force myself to like them. Yes. But it's like, no, sis, like the human body knows. Yes. The human body knows if that person is not for you, you're not going to feel it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I get sometimes like you can be confused. Sometimes you can meet the right one and you're confused, but you will at least feel something. You'll at least yeah. feel like four or five out of 10, you know, yeah. that you eventually build on. But when the attraction is not there, that person was not placed here for you. So you need to leave them for the person that they are for. Mm, so true. So true. Don't end up marrying someone you're not happy with because that's a tough mm-hmm. thing. Well, where can people find you? This has been a fun conversation. Where it can has. people find you and get to know you better on TikTok or Instagram? Which platform yeah. do you prefer? So I use Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. On Twitter and Instagram, it's just Elica Lebon, E-L-I-C-A-L-E-B-O-N. And then on TikTok, it's Elica Lebon, but with a dot in the middle. So Elica.Lebon. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes. So if anybody's listening to this on the podcast, you can just click the link in the show notes and we'll take you right to her. Thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep on blooming everybody.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. <laughs>